Hello, this is Dr. Omawumi Oshinobi, and today we'll be mapping hyperbaric oxygen therapy on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Omawunmi Ashinubi. Dr. Ashinubi is the president of Occupational and Environmental Health Associates and Transformative Integrative Health Associates. She is board certified in preventative medicine with specialization in occupational and environmental medicine. She's a certified disability examiner and provides in-person and telemedicine consultations to veterans and their healthcare providers on matters relating to complex, medically unexplained health conditions and exposures of concern during military service. She also provides clinical and medical expert consultations for civilians who were deployed to military bases on overseas combat missions and sustained toxic exposures. Dr. Ashinubi is certified in functional medicine, and she provides clinical consultations using the functional matrix approach, integrative health modalities, including hyperbaric oxygen therapy, adaptive contrast therapy, light therapy, neurofeedback, and nutrition to support health and healing in those who have chronic health challenges and have sustained toxic exposures. She is recognized as a national subject matter expert in military, occupational, and environmental exposures and related health effects. Dr. Ashinubi, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hey, thank you, Andre. I'm so glad to return and to share with you my thoughts and my passion. I love it. Last time we had such a rich conversation about oxygen and oxidative stress. And I'm wondering if you could start us off today by sharing a real life example of where there is an oxygen debt in the body. Thank you, Andrea. You know, I'm so happy to do so. As a matter of fact, we're recording this podcast just after Veterans Day. So First of all, let me give a shout out to all our servicemen and women out there. We appreciate all you do for us and our country. I work closely with veterans. And so I'd like to actually start off this segment of this podcast by giving you a case example based on my clinical work with veterans. Perfect. I'm so glad. And I'm so glad you gave that shout out. And yes, that's a great place to start. Awesome. So a typical person that I might see is a Gulf War veteran who sustained a blast injury during combat and developed a myriad of symptoms, including chronic headaches, cognitive difficulties, PTSD, TBI, or traumatic brain injury. And these symptoms were triggered because of the experience in combat, 
right? So those are the triggers. Now, this veteran has a family history of dementia and Parkinson's disease, which we know are the antecedents, right? And he's experiencing cognitive decline, and so he's concerned about what the future might hold for him. In addition to that, the veteran, you know, is markedly obese. He's been diagnosed with fatty liver, and he was recently diagnosed with coronary artery disease and diabetes. Now he has the typical pro-inflammatory American diet, which is a mediator. He has chronic back pain, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue from his golf exposures, so he's not able to exercise. And he recently lost his job because he's emotionally labile from his PTSD. He's socially isolated because of irritable bowel symptoms, and so he avoids attending social events, even going out to restaurants. So you can see that he has quite a number of mediators that are playing into, you know, his current structural integrity issues and so many things that he's experienced, right? So for this veteran, we've identified quite a number of ATMs, the antecedents, triggers, and mediators. He has something going on in practically every node of the functional matrix, you know, we touched on those at that last podcast. Now, we cannot go back and erase his experience of his blast injuries or even his toxic exposures from the Gulf War. There is nothing we can do to go back in time to erase that experience. But what we can definitely do is to work with the veterans to correct the physiological imbalances in the matrix in several ways, especially referring to oxidative stress from all of those stressors. There are many ways in which we do that, right? We can start with nutrition, for example. So if we look at that base of the functional medicine tree, right, we can start him on a brain-healthy nutrition. We can recommend targeted nutritional supplementation to help balance the oxidant stress and to help, you know, give him antioxidant support, help him get into a graded exercise program. We can start to work with him on cognitive rehabilitative techniques, you know, using modalities such as psychotherapy and neurofeedback as maybe, and in appropriate situations, even include some pharmacotherapeutics under the guidance of a treating provider. Now, many of these approaches are beneficial to some degree, but they do not directly address the persistent oxygen debt or the oxidant stress at the tissue level from those multiple physiological insults that this veteran has incurred over the time. So what this means is that even though we've really identified those root causes of physiological imbalance or dysfunction, it may be quite challenging to address all of those root causes, right? Simultaneously, they often take quite some time to resolve the symptoms, you know, with the nutrition and supplements and adopting those healthy lifestyle factors like sleep and exercise, you know, stress management and positive relationships. They're interdependent. And many times the veterans don't even have or a person may not even have the resources to engage in that. Yet they do need prompt relief and, you know, resolution of their symptoms. So what my passion is really to use technology as an adjunct to help support and exercise that veteran through that healing process. Mm, I love that. I love that we can do all of it, right? It's kind of a yes and. But what I want to ask you to speak into is that technology. How do we use technology to support adequate tissue oxygenation for optimal health and healing? 
you know, we have an excellent opportunity to improve oxygenation and reduce the oxygen debt at the cellular and tissue levels. And hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which I'm going to refer to as HBOT because it's a mouthful, but it's hyperbaric <laughs> oxygen therapy, right? What it does is that this technology uses a pressurized chamber and is often combined with increased oxygen in that chamber to allow the body to get an extra supply of oxygen to meet its demands. How does it do so? Well, what it does is that it dissolves oxygen into the liquid portion of the blood known as plasma so that the cells and the tissues are bathed in oxygen-rich fluid. And that allows the tissues to get the oxygen that it needs to generate energy so that it can heal and function optimally. Plasma is the liquid portion of the blood. Now, an average adult has about five liters of blood, right? And three out of those five liters is really liquid called plasma. The red blood cells make up the rest of it. Now, under normal circumstances, plasma does not carry much oxygen, very little oxygen. Most of it is carried by the red blood cells. Now, these red blood cells, which has the most of the oxygen carrying capacity of the blood, is typically 95 to 98% fully saturated, right? That means that you can only increase how much the blood cells carry oxygen by at the most another 2 to 5%. That's not a lot, right? If you have massive oxygen debt at the tissue level, I would call it it's a form of biohack, right? What can you then do to optimize that oxygen carrying capacity? Well, if you can make that plasma suddenly become a conduit for carrying more oxygen to the tissues, then it will bypass the inability of the red blood cells to carry that much more oxygen or even some of the anatomical restrictions in blood vessels, say from occlusion, like in plaque, or even from a stroke, right? That liquid that's rich in oxygen is able to bathe the tissues and the cells, and they're able to extract the oxygen that they need from the liquid. As a matter of fact, research studies have been done that when you can actually take out all the blood from an animal, and sustain life without red blood cells when you have sufficient oxygen dissolved in plasma when they've used hyperbaric oxygen therapy in those studies. Now, I'm not suggesting that anybody <laughs> let out all their blood, right? No vampires on the team. No vampires here, right? But what I'm just saying is that you can have that much oxygen dissolved in plasma when you use hyperbaric oxygen therapy that it really can help provide oxygen to needed tissues. I want to get more into the principles, but I have to say that this concept is so interesting to me, particularly because my husband who died from a glioblastoma multiforme almost 20 years ago, but we did some HBOT after his chemo and radiation. And we traveled to do that because it wasn't easily accessible at the time. And I have to tell you that being in the waiting room of the clinic that was offering the HBOT, it's such a significant memory for me because there were a lot of parents with children 
who had suffered oxygen deprivation for one reason or another. I had a little baby at the time. I'm there with my husband for him to have the treatment, but it was such a remarkable situation. I don't even have words for it, obviously. And my eyes are closed. I'm trying to kind of capture what that essence was like, but it stayed with me forever since. You know, Andrea, I'm so sorry for your loss. And Thank you. you know, it's difficult when you have a loved one who's going through health challenges. And you're absolutely correct. There's so many people around us that are hurting, right? That have yes. family members, children, spouses, you know, sisters, friends, family that are really challenged by chronic illness. And the question is, can HBOT be used as a supportive therapy? We're not making any health claims. We're not saying it's curative of any condition. But it provides another opportunity to help people get through and feel supported as they are dealing with the challenges that these diseases present us with. So the concept of HBOT is actually based on gas laws of physics. There are two main laws that HBOT really is predicated on. And let's quickly review this as it applies to human physiology. And I'm not expecting anyone to start writing down any <laughs> equations right now. Because, I'm writing down. I, I'm writing down equations. Right. I know because <laughs> people like us just like we went through physics because we had to. <laughs> right. And once I was done, I was done with it. And now I'm having to use this in my medical practice. But no, so getting back to HBOT, right, the first law of physics is Boyle's law. And what does Boyle's Law say? B-O-Y-L-E-S, Boyle's Law. What does it say? It says that the greater the pressure, the smaller the size of the gas. Now, this law is really applicable to deep sea divers for those people who go scuba diving and, you know, those who are professional divers like our Navy SEALs, etc. So those people, when they go deep into the ocean, right, the pressure is really higher when you go deep in water. And when that happens, you know, the gas becomes smaller. And so when they come back up, if they come back up too quickly, the pressure decreases and then the gas enlarges. And that's what often causes what we call decompression illness, known as the bends, when they have, you know, bone pain and skin itching and headaches, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that's really where HBOT was first used in treatment, hyperbaric oxygen, to recompress the divers so that the gases get smaller. It's really the nitrogen that's the problem in that situation. Now, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about in terms of chronic illness and oxidative stress is the second law. The second law we're going to talk about is Henry's law, which states that the greater the pressure, the greater the amount of gas that's dissolved in liquid or fluids. This is what makes each pot valuable technology where there is an oxygen debt at the tissue and cellular level. That's because when you place this human body in a pressurized chamber, and there are different kinds of chambers, we're not going to go into that right now. But when that chamber is pressurized above your standard atmospheric pressure, which is one atmospheres, it allows more oxygen to dissolve in plasma. And that oxygen-rich fluid, as I mentioned earlier on, makes oxygen available to cells and tissues. And once that happens, right, there's more ATP production by the mitochondria. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And once you're able to produce more energy, the cells can function better. 
they're able to repair better. They're able to regenerate better. So that's really the power of this technology because of the fact that we're using the natural law of physics to improve the oxygen carrying capacity of the blood because of the liquid that's now an oxygen rich liquid that bathes our cells. It's fascinating. So when you're considering treatment, what are the key factors that you're thinking about for planning the treatment? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you talked about planning because that is so critical, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, we don't plan to fail, but we will fail if we fail to plan. So it's really important. So true. Right. It's so important that anyone who's considering hyperbaric oxygen therapy have a conversation with their provider about what that treatment plan is going to be because it's dependent on multiple variables, four main variables. So the first one really is pressure, right? Pressure. That is the most important contribution to the dosage, right? The higher the pressure, the higher the amount of oxygen that's dissolved in plasma and is available to tissues. And so, you know, the traditional H-bot treatment that is used in sea diving and those use much higher pressures, like, you know, sometimes three atmospheres. We don't need that much pressure in the regular practice of H-bot in the outpatient setting. Mild hyperbarics may even be in the range of 1.3 to 1.5 atmospheres. Minor increases in pressure have been shown to be beneficial in increasing the amount of oxygen that's dissolved in the blood. In, as a matter of fact, these lower pressures have been shown to be beneficial, particularly for brain health. You don't need very high pressures. Okay. Now, for conditions like wound healing and stem cell mobilization, research has shown that higher pressures like two atmospheres are more beneficial in that situation. There was actually a, a, an Israeli study that examined anti-aging properties at two atmospheres. So in general, for most of the chronic conditions that we're dealing with, it's very rare that you need to go higher than two atmospheres in that context. So that's pressure. Now let's turn to time, right? Because when you're thinking about dosage, you're also looking at the duration of treatment, right? So the longer the duration of the hyperbaric oxygen treatment, the higher the total dose of oxygen that's delivered to the tissue. So a typical treatment session may last for 60 to 90 minutes, depending on which condition that's being addressed. Now, the next thing I want us to touch on, you know, in terms of dosing is the oxygen concentration, right? So we all have free oxygen in room air. That's 21% oxygen, right? Everybody has that. And that's great. And research has actually shown that by applying pressure, even with just room air, even if you're not adding oxygen to that treatment environment with just room air, you can actually shift the metabolic function in a more beneficial direction with just room air under pressure and you're reducing oxidant stress. Now, there are times when the conditions are so significant or the oxygen debt is, you know, has accumulated so much that you actually do need more oxygen, right? In which case they'll pipe in more oxygen into the chamber and that can range from anything above 21% to close to 95 to 100% you know, that again would increase the dosing of oxygen in the plasma that's available to help tissues heal, repair, and regenerate. So we add pressure, time, 
oxygen concentration. And there's a fourth? Yes. The fourth is the frequency, right? The frequency of the treatment, you know. So if you do this ad hoc, right, and you do this HBAR treatment just one time a week, you're not going to get very far. What you want to do is to have blocks of treatment. Sometimes it's once a day for five days or 10 days in a row. In some situations, you can actually do the treatment twice a day, making sure that you have a minimum of four to six hours in between. Why is that? Because when you do the consecutive sessions, you actually change the genes of the cells. Wow. There is actually data now to show that it does modify the genes so that they now start to recode in a beneficial direction. Many practitioners will do 10 to 20 sessions, take a break for a couple of days or some days, and then repeat that cycle for a total of 40 to 80 sessions to make sure that that treatment or the effect of that therapy is actually persistent. So it's so important that when you're thinking about planning your treatment, that all four variables or factors are taken into consideration. The pressure that's used, the duration of the treatment sessions, the percentage of oxygen that's used, and the frequency of these sessions. Now, that's tailored to each person's situation and health condition, and that's why you need to work with a practitioner who is familiar with these nuances and can help tailor that to that person's individual needs. Yeah, so much important there. I mean, it kind of brings us back to the foundations of an orthomolecular practice, right? It's the consistency, but it's also the dosing, as you said, and thinking through all these issues and working with somebody who understands the technology. So what are the known benefits of HBOT? How do we understand where it should be applied? Absolutely. So there's ample research that demonstrates the physiological benefits of HBOT, right? There's no question that when we increase oxygen supply to tissues, we increase energy at the cellular level. Once we do that, the cells perform better, tissues heal better, and they regenerate faster, and people feel better, right? So if there's one takeaway that you take <laughs> that you have from this conversation, it's that the key with HBOT is really increasing oxygen supply at the cellular level and reduction of oxidative stress. So what are these kind of benefits that we've seen from HBOT in terms of broad categories? Reduction in inflammation, right? Once you reduce inflammation, there's reduction in pain. There's enhancement of immune function. There's regeneration of new cells, tissues, and blood vessels, and it has overall anti-aging benefits. That, in a nutshell, is how HBOT is beneficial. Dr. Ashinubi, I know you have a passion for working with environmental exposures. I'm wondering if you can take us into the area of detoxification or accumulated toxins and how HBOT can help with those arenas? You know, a lot of people really struggle with this and they're challenged by detoxification. So, so yes, HBOT can definitely help as it can help with many other areas of the functional matrix, which we won't have time to cover today. But let's talk about a few of those areas when we're thinking about detoxification. So the first thing is like the liver, right? The liver is the largest 
organ for detoxification in the body. And we know that studies have shown that HBOT is beneficial in protecting the liver from acute injuries, injuries from chemical toxins like carbon tetrachloride, for example, which is an industrial solvent, right? So there is data to support that. Now, many people use acetaminophen, right? It's commonplace, we pop it. Yes. Um, <laughs> are there any opportunity <laughs> for headaches and joint pains and all that? But really, it's one of the most common causes of liver failure. Hmm. And basically, in research that has been done, it's been shown that HBOT can help mitigate the impact of that exposure. Now, even in people who've had a partial hepatectomy or partial liver resection, you know, as living transplant donors, they've actually shown that HBOT may actually have benefit in helping that liver regenerate. Right. Well, so food for the cells. Right. So absolutely. You know, when we talked about, you know, the regeneration and reduction in inflammation and detoxification. So HBOT has been helpful. Now, in some instances, even, you know, when people are challenged with cancer, hepatocellular cancer, it may be used as adjuvant treatment. But I must say that if anyone is going to use HBOT as adjuvant for cancer, it must be done in concert with the patient's oncology team. I mean, it's been used for, you know, as an adjuvant for radiation therapy, for, you know, jaw cancer, head and neck cancer, etc. But that must be done in concert with a patient's oncology team. So another important organ for detoxification is the kidney, right? We have two kidneys. And this was actually a serendipitous discovery. So some patients were undergoing HBOT for their diabetics, for their foot ulcers, right? And what they found was that they actually found decreases in biomarkers of kidney injury when they'd undergone six weeks of HBOT, right? So that was an unintended beneficial effect on the kidneys when HBOT was used in an approved clinical context for wound healing. Then the other area which a lot of people are not really paying attention to is our skin, right? The skin is actually the largest organ in our body. It has so many functions, including, you know, it helps us with detoxify. But the other thing is, you know, the skin really tells our age sometimes, right? When wrinkles start to appear for many reasons, including our exposures to ultraviolet rays. And basically, HBOT has been shown to actually reduce the impact of ultraviolet rays on skin aging and wrinkling, you know? It sounds amazing. <laughs> it is indeed. Well, you know, so some people might actually choose to use that as part of their uh, anti-aging toolkit. And as a matter of fact, it's been shown to actually reduce symptoms of atopic dermatitis in children. So, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, the large organs that help us with detoxification, the liver, the kidney, the skin, HBOT may be of benefit as an adjunct to helping that process along. You know, there are other areas that we may not have time to touch on today, just even in terms of fat metabolism and cardiometabolic function, you know, diabetes, insulin regulation. The research is really pouring out in terms of how this technology may help support that process. Again, we don't make any health claims. None of these are FDA approved or indicated conditions. I have to be very clear about that. I'm just really talking about what the emerging research is showing. And anyone who chooses to utilize HBOT in those arenas will be using HBOT off-label with full understanding that, you know, this is not an FDA approved technology for those conditions I just mentioned. 
Yeah, it's so fascinating. And it makes sense when we go back to the first episode that we recorded and understand the role of oxygen. Before I let you go, Dr. Ashinubi, are there any contraindications we should be thinking about? That is such an important question, right? Absolutely. The first thing is because of those gaseous laws, the Henry's law and the Boyle's law, if anyone has pneumothorax, which is air in the wrong place in their lungs, you do not want them close to hyperbaric oxygen treatment, right? Because you don't want to cause more damage. So that's an absolute contraindication to using HBAP. Now, there are relative contraindications like, you know, obviously pregnancy is one of those, right? You don't want to do anything in pregnancy without clearing that with an obstetrician. Now, if somebody has a current upper respiratory tract infection and sinus issues because of those changes in pressure, they can get very, very uncomfortable very quickly in a chamber. So you want to make sure that's all cleared before they go in a chamber. In some cases of severe COPD, emphysema, where you have like the blebs in the lungs, you know, you want to be very careful there. So those are instances where you want to be very careful. Now, obviously, you know, if somebody has confinement, anxiety, being in a chamber, you know, you want to walk with them around that. Now, if you're using high levels of oxygen in a chamber, there's a risk of fire. So you have to be really safe when you're working in that situation. And again, you know, I talked earlier on about pressure, right? You want to keep the pressure dosing as low as possible to get the maximum effect. You generally don't want to go above 2ATA uh, for most of these conditions. Now, there are times when people go up to three atmospheres, but the higher the pressure you go, and if you are increasing the oxygen level, there are potential complications like seizures. But in general, HBOT has quite an impressive safety record when it is done appropriately. And for the most part, it's generally safe when you take care to appropriately screen the patient and make sure that the HBOT facility plays close attention to safety, such as fire hazards. So on the whole, this is relatively safe technology. And, you know, for those who feel inclined to try it out, you know, looking at the functional medicine matrix, you know, then they want to have that conversation with their healthcare provider, make sure they're fully informed, sign their appropriate informed consent, and then, you know, work closely with your provider to make it happen. So much wisdom shared with us today, Dr. Ashinubi. Thank you for all you do and all that you've shared with us. I'm so grateful for this time with you. Thank you. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 